0: was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and God said let there be light and there was light God saw That the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. The light he called day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Command the Israelites. To bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the lighting of the lamps. Inside the tent of meeting, outside the curtain that shields the ark of the covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening until morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Hey David, will you turn the lights off please? Thank you. In the screen. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing its twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. There's something captivating about light in the darkness, something that draws our attention to this little flickering. You see, the hope is that this light would spread and overcome the darkness that seems to engulf it. There's a city in the United States called Barrow, Alaska. It is the northernmost city in the United States of America. On November 17th, around that time every year, the city goes into what is called polar winter. And for the next two and a half months, the city will be without. Sunrise. The sun will never peek over the horizon. And during these months, depression increases, people being late to work increases, and eating high-content carbohydrate food increases <laughs> as they wait for the sun to come up again. You see, there is this hope that one day light will come back and invade the darkness and overpower it. For Israel, they have had a long history of what seems to be darkness. As we looked at in the summer, and now through Nehemiah this past fall, there is this time of exile where Israel has found itself in captivity in Babylon and their people crushed under the oppression and it seems like this nation that is supposed to be so full of God's hope finds nothing but darkness around them you see their best and their brightest were hauled off they were a crushed by the Babylonian Empire and rule, and they find themselves as oppressive exiles in a country not their own, longing to go back to the place that they belong. You see, this is the version of the story that they know. This is the version of the story that they have heard and that they live within. A story where they appear to be losing the battle. A story where it seems there is no hope. And yet, prophets throughout the history of Israel speak into the darkness and bring hope to those who find themselves in darkness. You see, that is the job of the prophet. It is to speak into the world, to speak into the world a new possibility, and to paint a picture of the way the world could be, a way the world should be, and not necessarily a way that the world is. It is to tell a different version of the story than the one that you are living in the middle of it is to tell a different version of the story than what you see it is to tell a sub version of the story a subversion where israel has hope because egypt does not get the last word a subversion of the story because babylon does not get the last word. A subversion of the story because Rome does not get the last word. A subversion of the story because sin and death do not win. It is to tell a different version of the story. To tell a different version of the story to people who find themselves in darkness, longing for the light. To tell a subversive story. Where the ruling empire does not win. And it's into this exile and into this darkness that the prophet Isaiah speaks. And he speaks these words... In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and the nation will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations, and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor Will they train for war anymore? Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So Isaiah tells of this day where this great hope is going to come from. A day in which the world as they know it looks different and beams with hope because the world as it is is not the way the world will always be. And it says he will teach his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In this place, he's not really specific. All he says is that when God's days come, Something is going to happen in God's city. This, this promised one, this Messiah, will come out of Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations. This new king will set up rule and reign. And he will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many people. You see, there's hope that this coming king will make things right. And the oppression of the darkness will break forth into new day where there is now light. But his coronation ceremony will not be in a palace or in a temple, it'll be on a throne of the cross. And the crown that's placed on his head will be a crown of thorns. And the exaltation will be in mockery. And he will take his rightful place and he will bow his head and say, it is finished. But in those words, it is finished. It is not that his life is finished. Because three days later, he will rise from the dead. And three days later, where there was darkness and where hope seemed to be gone, there will be this new light because the coming king has taken his final place as the ruling, reigning king over all the earth. And that is the hope of the world. That in the places of darkness, there is a light that shines that in the places of darkness, when it seems everyone else is winning, there is still this hope that the darkness of the tomb on Friday exploded with glorious light on Sunday and that the tomb was Has there ever been a time in your life where it felt like the darkness was suffocating? It's funny that we can use a word like suffocating to describe darkness. We might say it's heavy. Even though it's not a physical attribute, when you are in darkness, you can feel the weight of it upon your shoulders. And it can be so heavy and so suffocating that it literally takes the breath from your lungs. Because there are these times when it seems like the darkness is closing in and the darkness has won. places of depression, see it's that moment when you sign the divorce papers or you say goodbye to a loved one, it's that moment when you wake up the next morning wondering how you're going to make it through today. It's that feeling of complete and utter helplessness. Because the things or the people that we have put our hope and trust in have now vanished. And they are no longer by our side. And it's into that darkness that the prophet Isaiah speaks. He speaks of a day when swords and spears will be turned into plowshares and pruning hooks, and where people will practice war no more. And when you watch the news today, When you watch the news today and you see the conflicts going on, the conflicts that have been going on for years around our world, you wonder if there could ever be a day like this. Could there ever be a day where people literally took their swords and spears and turned them into objects that cultivate life? It's interesting, these objects of destruction are, that are formed outside the garden in this beautiful final picture are turned into things that cultivate life within the garden. And we just simply ask this question, do your words cultivate life or do they destroy it? Do your words and the way that you speak to people, the way that you bring life and hope to people, does it bring life to them? Does it cultivate life or does it kill it? You see, there's something really scary about that picture of swords and spears being turned in to plowshares and pruning hooks. Is someone has to go First. Because if it's always about revenge and getting right and getting even, the cycle will never end. And so Isaiah encourages these people in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of despair, he said, there's going to come a day when God sets up his kingdom and his kingdom is going to be a place of peace where swords and spears are turned into plowshares and pruning hooks. And when this kingdom comes, God's people will walk in his ways. You see, his way is the way of self-sacrifice and love. His way is the way of hope to a world that only sees one version of the story. But as people who follow Jesus, we know and understand there is a subversion of the story. There is a different version than the story that everyone else is telling. There is an ancient Rabbi who lived just after Jesus in the first century. One evening he was walking home and he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And as he approached the turn for his city where he was heading to Calpurnium, there was a fork in the road and because he was so entrenched in the word from Isaiah that he took a wrong turn. And his darkness fell over The countryside, he arrived at a Roman fortress and not realizing where he was, a guard from the top of the wall yells down at him and says, who are you and what are you doing here? Rabbi Akiva yells back at the guard. What did you say? And the guard repeated, Who are you? And what are you doing here? And Rabbi Akiva asked the guard, How much do they pay you to ask that question? And the guard yelled back, 20 denarii. And Rabbi Akiva said, I will pay you Double, if you will come to my house every single morning and ask me that same question Who are you and what are you doing here? Who are you and what are you doing here? Come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. I have been deeply troubled over the results of the last election. not necessarily the result of the election, but the results from the election. To listen to people, people on both sides of the table, filled with angry words, hateful words. I have a friend whose wife is a teacher in the inner city, a predominantly Hispanic school. And the day after the election, when she showed up, she said her class of first graders had this deep sense of despair first graders who probably have no idea actually what happened other than what they've heard from their parents I've seen people on social media on both sides saying angry and hateful words and we've seen it in the city streets in the days that follow, as Jesus calls you and I to walk in the light, He asks us to live in a world, to create a world of possibility. A world that could be in the midst of this world that is. To tell a different version of the story than what everyone else sees and knows. A version where Egypt and Rome and Babylon don't win. A story where sin and death do not get the final word. But to speak hope into the darkness. To bring light where there is no light. In Exodus, God has given Moses his instructions for the tabernacle tent of meeting and the place where God will dwell with his people. And then he tells them, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting outside the curtain that shields the ark of the covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. This word, to keep the lamps burning, is near tamid. And it means to keep them burning with unfailing regularity. To have these lamps that are perpetually burning. That are bringing light to the place that God dwells. And in the tabernacle it was the job of the priests Aaron and his sons to make sure that the light did not go out. And it was this command that is to stay with Israel for out throughout the generations that they were to cultivate this life, to keep it burning, and to keep it so that there was light in the tabernacle. Through the tradition of Judaism over the years, the meaning became everlasting light. There are these lamps that are to light the way where God is. This everlasting light. See, from the very beginning words of Scripture, light is used to describe God. To the very last chapter of Revelation, light is always descriptive of who God is. So what do we do when it seems hopeless? It seems as the darkness is winning. Watch this. Paper,
1: scissors, who's starting with the ball? From first grade. Get right away, guys. To crossing a high school stage. Go, go, go. Children are taught to follow the rules. I don't know what about you. Gracie Booker oh. is glad at least one person knew how to break them. Try again, red. try again! Last year is a seventh grader, Gracie finished just two runners back from a trip to the state cross-country meet. Everyone was like, you're going to make it next year, and I was pretty excited. Number 744 was still excited at the start of this year's section meet, till Gracie sensed early in her race something wrong. And I realized I was falling behind and I was like, I'm not wanting this hard enough, I have to keep fighting for it. Watch, watch. Fast forward now to the finish line. Gracie, just coming into view, is in trouble. And the Wyndham girl is really struggling. I just couldn't feel anything, and I I did not want to fall. I was I just wanted to cross the finish line. But then, this. Come on, yeah! Gracie pulls herself up. Georgia! 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 She
0: keeps falling. She's trying to finish, and uh,
1: there's a sight here. And then back. Gets worse. Excruciating. Gracie's mother watched it all. Was told you can't go out. You can't go out. And people were screaming. You can't touch her. You can't touch her. You can't touch her. You can't touch her. It's a high school cross country rule. Oh my God. A rule that meant Gracie would continue to struggle okay. alone. You want to help them, but yet you know that if you go out to help them, they're automatically disqualified. I just wanted somebody to do something. Gracie's somebody is about to arrive.
0: And her body just gave out on her.
1: The mystery runner, to Gracie at least, is wearing the colors of mountain lake. You're with me, I've got you, she told Gracie.
0: There's nothing better than that. So she was
1: like, like my angel that way. Nice then Gracie's angel all but carried her across the finish line. It was so instinctual on her part. She didn't She didn't stop and look to somebody or listen to the people that were saying, don't touch her, don't touch her. It was like she knew she saw somebody in trouble and she made that decision to help her. And in doing so, broke the rules.
0: I don't really remember deciding to do that. It just happened.
1: Senior Liana Blumgren in her final high school race was, like Gracie, disqualified. Especially her senior year in her last
0: race. It just means like everything to me. I don't remember what place I was in the section meet last year. I don't remember what place I was in the section meet you before that. But I know that I'm going to remember this.
1: Gracie's Falls were linked at the emergency room to an undiagnosed case of mono. Can't touch her!
0: Can't touch her! I don't believe there's another sport that that an athlete would be allowed to be on the field in that condition. And it took an 18-year-old girl to step in and, and help.
1: The flowers were the first arrival at Mountain Lake High School. It was just thanks for being my angel. The second was even more personal. Because I got her dq So I bet I think i better do it again. There's no denying Hi. Hi. Gracie's angel Thank you. broke the rules. <laughs> it's just that Liana didn't forget. Thank you. no The most important rule is gold: She was definitely a miracle for me. Boy Carol Levin News. Mountain Lake.
0: You might tell the story this way. The kingdom of God is like a cross-country runner who in her senior year of her last race. Gave up finishing the race to help someone else cross the finish line. It's interesting that the newscaster even notices it. This rule is golden. is God talks about light from the beginning to the end of Scripture. It is light that brings hope. But the one metaphor that God uses to describe himself And you and I is light. You are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, light begins in the Bible simply as a spoken word. But it moves from word to an incarnate person. And that person, the Bible tells us, is the way, the truth, and the life. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Today, wherever you find yourself, wherever the people around you see hopelessness, in despair we see the light of the world and your job your calling as priests is to keep the light burning before the Lord go and bring hope the hope of light into the darkness Father we thank you for this time We pray, Father, your blessing over us as your church. Father, we pray that we will be people of the light, people who walk in the way of Jesus and whose life reflects his glory. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have never given your life to Christ, we offer you the invitation to come to the light and find hope in jesus to be buried with him and raised again into new life if we could just simply pray for you we're gonna have shepherds and ministry staff around the auditorium we would love to do whatever we could so come while we stand and we sing
1: we will see the holy city Come 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 descending